Support for this podcast comes from Cooper Vision Specialty Eye Care. Cooper Vision Specialty Eye Care brings an impressive portfolio of life-changing specialty lenses to ECPs across the globe, empowering them to differentiate themselves while positively impacting the lives of their patients. You'll find a comprehensive collection of advanced scleral, OrthoK, and RGP lens designs from the highly respected brands that now comprise Cooper Vision Specialty Eye Care. Products include OneFit, IC, Paragon CRT, Dreamlight, Senso, and so many more, all of which are backed by the promise of continuous innovation, best-in-class service, and a refreshing perspective to solve unique and challenging vision issues with a customer-first perspective. Let Cooper Vision Specialty Eye Care lead you on a journey of changing patients' lives and improving practice profitability. Learn more at coopervisionspecialtyeyecare.com. The Globalized Podcast is brought to you by Cooper Vision Specialty Eye Care. The presenters are paid consultants. Hello, this is Dr. Melissa Barnett, Principal Optometrist at UC Davis Eye Center. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Global Eyes Podcast Series. Today, we're pleased to have Dr. Ina Lazar of Greenwich Eye Care in Greenwich, Connecticut, who is originally from Ukraine. Thanks for joining us, Ina. Hi, thank you for having me. In today's podcast, we'll discuss the crisis in Ukraine and news from Dr. Lazar's contacts and the optometry community there. Ina, please tell us about your educational background and how you came from Ukraine to the United States. Uh, Sure. Uh, My parents were fortunate enough to win a green card and we moved, we immigrated to United States in 2003 and been living here since then. I, uh, I was 16 at the time, so I did go to college and of course I didn't know any English. I'm still learning English. <laughs> I think this is the some, something you just never stop learning. I went to college um, and then I got my degree at University of Pittsburgh. Um, degree in psychology. I was starting, I was, I always knew I wanted to be in medicine and I was uh, very firm on going to medical school. But then uh, when I was studying at the UPMC, I needed to do some research. So I took a pause. I did one year of research on sickle cell, full-time job, because I, I thought I was so passionate about research and and being in the hospital setting. But thank God I did that because that made me realize I don't want to be in the hospital setting. It is not for me. So I started searching for other ways how I can be in medicine, in patient care, but not, you know, stay away from the hospital. And one of the options for me was to do optometry. So once I did the research, I loved everything about the profession. And that's how I decided to go into optometry. I graduated from PCO in uh, 2015 and been practicing um, since in Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, My parents, of course, live upstate New York. My dad is a musician, and (laughs) my mom is a a, a physics teacher, and I have a younger brother who is a pharmacist. So we, you know, it's great to have a family here. Um, I don't know how I would feel if they were in Ukraine right now. What a wonderful journey you've had and what an incredibly talented family in so many different ways. What does your dad play? He's actually one of these um, people and musicians that can just play anything. Um, So I grew up, okay, so he wanted me to be a musician (laughs) and he made me go to music school 
and I, I, and music school in Ukraine is different than here, perhaps. I don't know, but I had to go to music school every day after my school. So I went to school from eight to three, and then from four to six, I was in music school. I have no music talent. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot hear anything. So they were just passing me just because my dad was a musician and they were just giving me like C's just because it was so embarrassing to fail. Uh, And after I graduated music school, which I went to for eight years, uh, my dad was like, you know what, just just fine, just do whatever you want. Uh, So which I am grateful for that because obviously reasons I can't be a musician. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that that's your story because uh, our daughter is a professional harpist. I know that. My wife and I have, Donna has a little talent. I have zero. I have a lot of appreciation, but I have zero musical talent. So our daughter became a harpist, you know, <laughs> and your musician dad, you became an optometrist. Isn't it, isn't the world a funny place? Yeah, I actually did genetic testing, and uh, on on these twenty three and Me, they do give you these fun things like, um, you know, you have brown hair or you have brown eyes, and you have a gene for macular degeneration, which I think, I think most people do. Um, and one of the fun facts is I cannot match a sound. Like, I do not match the beats. Like, I can't hear it genetically. So I told it to my dad. And I sent him a screenshot. And he's like, well, now it all makes sense. <laughs> that's that's great. And I'm so glad you found your passion. Yes. Well, there's yes. a very great um, general in the U.S. Civil War named Ulysses S. Grant. And he, he once remarked, he said, uh, he said, I... I, I know music. I can tell if it's the Star Spangled Banner or it's not. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree with that. That's that's that is me. <laughs> we understand that you've been in touch with relatives and friends in Ukraine. What is the current situation there? Um, not great. Not great, as we hear on 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 the news. And actually, I do think the news here are doing a good job reporting about the situation that is in Ukraine. Uh, I am from western part of Ukraine, so it is considered a safer part of Ukraine. Although uh, last night there there were some um, bombings of western part in where my husband is from, the airports in the western part. So every day is a is a new day. And we hope for the best. So sorry to hear about that. Do you have any contacts within the optometry, ophthalmology community in the Ukraine or in Russia? And if you do, what do they say? So, you know, funny, you would ask, of course I do. (laughs) Of course I do. And I've had colleagues uh, in Russia that we would have constant communication about patient care and how we, you know, how we share our protocols and how we do everything in terms of specialty contact lenses, drier treatments, uh, as well as in Ukraine. So since the war broke out, um, all my Russian friends actually, in fact, either unfollowed me or blocked me. And of course, my Ukrainian friends who are eye doctors, uh, they most of them fled to Poland and they have been, um, you know, we're, we're 
communicating, they're safe, but of course they're scared for their uh, future of Ukraine. Yeah, that's, of course that's understandable. Let me, let me ask you another question. Just uh, again, for, for the audience more in the West, Ukrainian is a unique language, a unique people, but they use the same alphabet as Russians. Do, do, do Ukrainians and Russians consider each other as cousins, near relatives, or is Ukraine really a separate country as would be Germany or Britain? Uh, so we're a separate country. Ukraine is an independent country, and we do speak similar languages, although Russian people claim not to understand Ukrainian, but Ukrainian do understand Russian, and we do speak Russian. Um, it is, you know, we often share families in terms of my uh, very good friend who lives in Ukraine. Her parents actually live in Russia. And there is such thing as this interwined um, families where part of the family is in Russia or part of the family is in Ukraine. Uh, so it is very common situation. Well, what is the best way that we can help? Are there any relief organizations that you specifically recommend? As of right now, uh, the best way is to help financially. Because what I find, and I have been working with nonprofits personally, when we send items to Ukraine, as of right now, it's very difficult to bring it to the city because of the constant shelling by Russian military. And we find that just sending the financial support, the people there, refugees that have been displaced from east to west, uh, volunteers are able to purchase produce and distribute it to the army or distribute it to the hospitals versus us sending um, items there that then they cannot transport into the city. Thank you. Is there uh, any specific organization that you recommend? Uh, so, yes, I am happy to share it. It's uh, one is UCCA.org. It's um, Ukrainian committee. And then there's also Razom for Ukraine. I'm happy to text it to you and you can just, you know, put it somewhere so people can see. But those two nonprofits are have been incredible. Uh, one helps with the UCCA.org, helps to the military, to the army. And... Um, the other one uh, provides medical support to Ukraine. But everything goes to Poland. This is the issue we're having. Everything we're shipping, everything goes to Poland, which then distributed to Ukraine, uh, such as Kiev and Lviv. Well, thank you for that information. And we're definitely happy to share that and happy to help in any way we can. Thank you. Support for this podcast comes from Cooper Vision Specialty Eye Care. Cooper Vision Specialty Eye Care is dedicated to addressing the unmet needs of practitioners and patients worldwide whose ocular challenges compromise not only vision, but quality of life. Their unmatched portfolio of specialty lens designs includes the following brands, Blanchard, GP Specialists, Number 7 Contact Lenses, Paragon, Procornia, and Soflex. Learn more at coopervisionspecialtyeyecare.com. So a little bit more about you and your journey. Do you have a mentor that has helped you along the way? Uh, you know what? How can you practice and not have a mentor? I, I trained when I was still in school. I was fortunate enough to um, have one of my rotations with Dr. Jim Timmons, who 
uh, has instilled this love for ocular surface disease in me, which is the reason I practice ocular surface right now. Um, I also work very closely with uh, Dr. Laura Perriman, who has been incredible resource for uh, dry eye treatments and, uh, you know, again, ocular surface and MGD, all those things are so common, but we don't talk enough about them. So, um, and of course, Viola Konevsky, she's has been uh, just, uh, you know, a sunshine in this terrible time we're living in. <laughs> she's been very active on social media, uh, yeah. bringing awareness to this. It's such a shame. Uh, Laura, Dr. Laura Perriman is a good friend of both of ours. Uh, so she is an inspiration. She definitely is. Yes, I completely agree. So switching gears a little bit, please tell us about a classic Ukrainian dish that we might enjoy. Uh, well, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe so many. That's easy. Well, of course, it's going to be borscht, the, the, red, the red beet soup. And um, that's my personal favorite. I don't make it. I know how to make it, but I prefer my mom to make it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. I've been to Poland and, and Russia both, and I agree, borscht is great. It's, I've never had it in America like that. It's much different. Yes, it is different. Mom's version is always the best, right? Yes. So if there was anywhere in the world that you could travel for fun right now, where would you go? Oh, I, I love traveling. I just love traveling. I don't think I would be able to pick and choose. I am a big foodie, so I enjoy food. So I'd probably say Italy because they just, <laughs> you cannot go wrong. But there's really, every country is just so unique and so beautiful in its own way that uh, it, it is hard. But Italy is going to be my first choice just because of their delicious food. It's a great choice. And the food is amazing. As you said, you can't you can't go wrong in Italy. You no, can't go wrong. But I've enjoyed the cuisines all over the world and meeting our colleagues, our optometric and ophthalmology colleagues around the world, because uh, as we go around the world and travel, we realize it is a, a very small world that people have the same fears and concerns and needs. Uh, everywhere you go, we all have the same crazy patients. Whether you're in Malaysia or Australia, or Ukraine um, or Bogota. <laughs> Yes. They're all kind of crazy. Yes. Is there any more, any, anything else, Ina, that you would like to, to share with us about Ukraine or your education or your passion for ocular surface disease? Melissa, as you know, is very involved in that. Yes. And I do follow you very closely. And I, and I uh, you know, want to always stay up to date with your, what you have to say. <laughs> um yeah, I think ocular surface disease is so prevalent these days, especially with increased screen use and um, and Zooms and being on, on, on our phones and iPads all day long. I see dry eye and lid disease starting in children. I have I do a lot of myopia management and I have these children come in for uh, consults and you know, 20 to 30% will have MGD with capping and, and you see that this, the, the oil gland morphology changing and, 
it's it is it, it worries me because we know how dry eye can affect our lifestyle and our work. I completely agree. And I worry about the future of children's meibomian glands. You know, how's it going to be in 50 years? And, uh, you know, if they're, if they're actually having meibomian gland dysfunction at such an early age. Yeah. A number of years ago, I, I got a meibomographer. And it's amazing when you flip the lids and look at the glands, you know, and I can tell you someone's been practicing as long as I have, you know, we studied ocular anatomy. And I knew there was some glands there, but all, all the information that is common to you uh, is, is, was new to someone like me. You know, we, we never studied mybomian glands or dropout. And I remember a few years ago when we became more aware of Demodex, I was having lunch with a very prominent ophthalmologist that I know very well is a very, 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 very good doctor, very smart person. And uh, I asked him, I said, well, what about this Demodex thing? What are you guys doing for that? And he goes, what's that? So, so even a very well-known anterior segment surgeon, I had no idea what Demodex was. That was about six or eight years ago. Well, I have a story for you. Just uh, right before the pandemic, I was invited to one of the uh, dinners about ocular surface disease. And it was, again, by a, a prominent ophthalmologist in New York City. And when he was addressing and talking about lid disease, blepharitis, and demodex, his number one treatment was to use Toprodex. And at the end, of course, we had a discussion and he's like, just suffocated. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, this is, I mean, we all, I mean, we call this practicing medicine for a reason, but I do think as an, a healthcare provider, we should be staying up to date with the latest technology and treatments. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more in kind of an exciting time when we talked Demodex with a new product coming in the not so distant future. So that'll be yes. Really I'm very excited about it. All right. Well, Ina, it has been a pleasure to speak with you today. And thank you so much for being here with us. And thanks to our listeners for joining today's podcast. We hope you'll tune back in for future episodes of the Globalized podcast series with Melissa Barnett and Tom Arnold.